Language is so important, isn't it? <laughs> Meanings of different words. Our first reading this morning is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of God. This, Jesus said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Our second reading comes from the History of Covenant by Mary Lee Burris, page one, paragraph two. Covenant grew out of a Sunday school class at River Oaks Baptist Church in the spring of 1965, when the church called a pastor who was both theologically and socially quite conservative, the Sunday school group decided to leave River Oaks and form its own church in the hope that it would become a renewing influence in the Southern Baptist Convention. Covenant was aligned with the SBC for 27 years, but we were never able to change them, and they were unable to change us. And in 1992, we resigned over issues of polity, the independence of each congregation, and inclusivity, the role of women and the LGBT community. By that time, we had opened all leadership positions to women and were beginning an active ministry to the LGBT community. So we no longer adhere to the SBC guidelines. We were never accepted by the local Union Baptist Association, primarily because we accepted people from other denominations without requiring rebaptism. We've always been affiliated with the American churches and for many years have belonged to the Alliance of Baptists as well. These are our sacred stories. This, Jesus said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Indeed, in the very next chapter of Acts, we read of that coming promised spirit. During the founding service for our church, they read from the story of Pentecost. They read from Acts chapter 2, where the biblical author quotes Joel. Hear now the prophet's words. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old ones shall dream dreams, and your young ones shall see visions. You've heard the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the story of Pentecost. We read it every year. The author of Acts, who is most certainly the same author of the Gospel of Luke, describes the coming of the Spirit when God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven clogged the streets of Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God descended upon the followers of Jesus. The author compares it to the blowing of a violent wind and tongues of fire. By the end of that day, Despite the mockery of critics, 3,000 people joined the Jesus movement. But compared to what happened in the coming years, that was tiny 
only the beginning. Acts is full of summaries of the numeric growth and geographical expansion of the newborn church. The movement burgeoned to over 5,000 men. Come on, Luke, do better. In Acts chapter 6, the author describes how the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. A few pages later, he says that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it grew in numbers. As Paul and Barnabas ministered in Antioch, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. That's Acts chapter 13. By the time the book of Acts concludes, the apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome, where tradition says he was martyred. But not before he had trekked 10,000 miles across Asia Minor, not counting many nautical miles, in case you wondered about the sailboat, preaching about Jesus and planting churches. In the first decades, the early church fulfilled what Jesus had promised, that the presence of the Spirit meant witnessing with power in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But Pentecost not only birthed the church, it begot bureaucracy and business meetings. It's easy to criticize the church as a deeply flawed organization, but the institutionalization of the Jesus movement was both inevitable and arguably necessary. Perhaps nothing happens without spirit-inspired people, but can anything last without institutions? The early church grappled with many questions. How should they organize 5,000 new converts? What was the main message? What constituted proper worship? Could Gentiles join what was initially a Jewish movement? And if they could join, did they need to follow the laws of Moses? Who could be leaders and why them? How broad or how narrow were the boundaries? What were reasonable procedures and protocols for feeding widows, for collecting money, for the shared work, for sending out missionaries like Paul and Barnabas, for sorting disputes? In those days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, Your old ones shall dream dreams, and your young ones shall see visions. It was 1965, right on the heels of the first tremors in the Southern Baptist Convention, tremors that would eventually shake the body apart. Less than two years after Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech on the National Mall. Quite literally in the shadows of the desegregation of Houston businesses and lunch counters under the cover of a media blackout. Barely 18 months after John Kennedy was assassinated just a few hundred yards from here. Only three years after nuclear war with the USSR was averted. Our country was embroiled in Vietnam. 
we were focused on going to the moon. Perhaps no other decade has known so much cultural foment, so much progress in civil rights, so many lies machined to churn the gears of war, so much hope for scientific and technological advancement, struggle and dreams, global, national, local, and theological birthed a vision for a new kind of church. Young men and young women glimpsed a church of welcome where differences were celebrated, where every voice was heard. A church focused on community rather than creed, on mutual support rather than external strictures, on belonging rather than right belief. Chaos and change, fear and hope, struggle and dreams swirled and stewed. And out of these waters, a new church was formed. This church was to be named Covenant Baptist Church. Covenant is an ancient word. Some of humanity's earliest recordings are of covenants. Covenants litter the pages of the Bible. In fact, one might argue that the Bible is, in essence, a collection of covenants. Covenant language threads its way through the relationship of Adam and Eve with God, through the story of Noah and his family, God's promises to Abraham and Sarah, to Hagar, to Moses and Miriam and the Hebrew people, to Deborah and to David. Covenant language weaves through Jesus' promise stitched in so many of our hearts. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think, too, of the covenants between people in the Bible, between Rahab and Joshua, between David and Jonathan, between Ruth and Naomi. Where you go, I will go, and where you lie, I will lie, and your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Covenant. Ironically, our name was not selected with any of these implications of covenantal relationships in mind. I've asked our founding members and our founding minister how the name came to be. They were meeting in a conference room at the San Jacinto Savings and Loan Association. Several names were suggested. They had business meeting after business meeting to discuss possibility. That should sound familiar. They considered Church of the Savior as a connection to the church by that name in Washington, D.C., a church involved in social justice issues, liberal in theology, and ecumenical in nature. But after sitting with that name for a while, they decided it didn't quite suit. They all agreed that the name should include Baptist and that it should not include a geographical location such as a neighborhood, community, or street. This prompted the suggestion of peripatetic Baptist Church. <laughs> Fortunately, the story goes that one member sat down with a biblical concordance and the yellow pages looking for possible names that were not already Baptist churches in town. He got to the C's before he came up with a possibility. He suggested covenant at the next business meeting at the Savings and Loan, and it was a hit. People liked the meaning and they liked the word. It's 2024. Christianity is confused with nationalism. 
Advances in science and medicine mean more life, but not for everyone. A widening gap is in all incomes, the rich and the poor, such a widening gap. Wars over territories continue, democracies imperiled, climate change, racism, violence, and art, and discovery, and opportunities. And at Covenant, we continue in the promise of welcome. We plant and grow, literally, vegetables to help feed those who are in need at the women's shelter, and figuratively, theological concepts and love and welcome. We continue our legacy of partnership with organizations throughout the city and country to further the good work of justice and peace. We are a place that is beyond a place. We are a people of welcome and love. Covenant expands. We now include women in all levels of leadership. We welcome everyone regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, religious or non-religious affiliation. We include children's voices in worship and proclaiming and worship leading. We include our neighborhood by hosting community activities. The spirit blows. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old ones shall dream dreams, and your young ones shall see visions. After our hymn, as you come forward for communion, Consider your calling. Consider how the Spirit is moving within you in this time and with these people. What are your dreams and visions? What will be prophesied in our time? Come, Spirit, come. That's our prayer. All are always welcome to communion and covenant. There will be stations with bread and wine and water here at the front of the sanctuary and also outside. And once you've taken from the bread, the wine, or the water, you can return to your seat with the cup because there's a cup holder in your chair. You, exactly you, you are always welcome to this sacred meal. Communion at Covenant has always been open to everyone, and it always will be. Come and eat. Come and drink. Amen. <clears throat>